Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I am your host, Hillary Jones. So today's interview is a little bit different and that it was the first that I've done actually in person. It is with Joyce Raskin and Shauna Carmody of the Red Jumpsuit Podcast. And it was recorded a minute ago, like back in early June. So take that into consideration. I headed up to their house near Boston and then they interviewed me first And it was episode 18 of the Red Jumpsuit podcast. If you want to check that out, that's already been uh, released. And then after that, I interviewed them. So that's what you're hearing here. The whole thing happened out in their backyard, which was like really nice, especially since, you know, this was fairly early in the pandemic and no one was really speaking with anyone at all at this point (laughs) in person, especially. Uh, So everything was like super socially distant and outside which also means that you hear some beautiful bird chirping in the background, which is very nice. And luckily only very minimal interference from like neighbor yard work and airplanes. So that's just a quick heads up about that. Uh, so Joyce and Shauna are basically music royalty, especially if you live in New England, but like way beyond that as well. Shauna was in the Swirlies and Syrup USA in the 90s, toured all over the place did a peel session, the huge, no big deal. And Joyce was in Scarce, who were like big on 120 minutes, toured with Hole, Not a Surf, a whole bajillion more. And they have both been playing together now for, I think, about 10 years, along with fellow buddy Karen Orsi, who's a fantastic guitarist as well, has given me lessons, helped me get this podcast set up, fabulous. Joyce played bass in Scares, but now plays drums in their current project, which is called Night Spell, where Shauna handles guitar, and then they both sing as well. And, of course, you can check out their podcast, Red Jumpsuit, where they interview a whole ton of rad musicians, such as Kim Coletta from Jawbox, and Stephanie Phillips from Big Joni, Julie K. Fritz from Pussy Galore and Free Kitten, a bunch others. They are also both visual artists and Joyce is an author as well. They're just doing so much stuff. It's great. Anyway, so I will include tons of links to all that in the show notes. So please take a peek at that and stay tuned for like a super fun conversation we get into about gear, some hot swirlies gas, (laughs) a wild story about touring with Hole, as you might imagine, and a whole bunch more. So here is our conversation. Joyce and Shauna, welcome to Midriff. Hey. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for for having us. Thank you for having me in your yard. (laughs) It's been an awesome day. Yeah. Of chatting outside under the umbrella. So good. It's a uh, it's nice and overcast. It's a beautiful June day. Right? It's not hot. It's we not don't have hot. to worry There's about no bugs. sun. Even though I'm wearing my sunglasses, I don't know why <laughs> they're prescription. Uh, no, is that why? <laughs> so I just realized that I put You're it just, on because it came out. The sun came out yeah. before Hillary, and then I realized it's so gray. And I was just like, Hillary's probably looking at me like, "What the fuck is wrong with her?" <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you know it's it's too cool. You just can't stop. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Look at red this. jumpsuit in effect. <laughs> Joyce is wearing the red jumpsuit. <laughs> we only uh, have one. Do you, do you trade it? Do you do you get to rotate? No, I, or they got me one. Oh, okay, good. All right, good. <laughs> that it took us a while to, you know, like save up the money for two. You got to commit. So, yeah. I mean, it's only a red jumpsuit. There's only one. It's okay. Yeah. You got to feel one. You borrow it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So I'm going to ask you, too, if you can introduce yourselves for folks who might not know your name, your pronouns, um, a little bit about yourselves and your history with music. Sure. So my name is Joyce Raskin. And and my pronouns are she, hers. I've been doing music since I was about 14, but the band people probably would know me best from is Scarce and um, toured a lot. And I am now playing and make playing music with my friend Shauna and doing a podcast with her. The Red Jumpsuit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm Shauna Carmody, the uh, partner in crime over here. <laughs> they, they've actually welcomed me into their house home house home in the very basement your pronouns and she yes she. <laughs> and your history with music my history with music just um, briefly you know i mean fans your history with music could go on i'm sure but so yeah i play guitar and i sing mostly guitar um Currently, Joyce and I play together. Is there a name for this project right now? Not really. Not yet. Okay. It's in the infant stages. Mm -hmm. and, um, but we had a band called Reindeer um, with a mutual friend, Karen Orsi and yeah. Joe Prop, a tear. <laughs> um, <laughs> prior yeah. bands were Syrup USA and the Swirlies. Yay! Cool. They were sort of my training ground. Awesome. And, and how old were you when you started? When I started playing guitar, mm -hmm. I, I was about 16. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, just fumbling and then kind of really buckling down, like, my 20s. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, teaching myself, having, kind of getting some mentorship um, from some good people, you know. Dudes, but, yeah. Good dudes. Good dudes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Um, and you started playing when you were 14. My brother told me, he was like, these people need a band. I think you could play bass for them. But the reason why I wanted to play bass is because I thought the lead singer was cute. <laughs> so I feel like normally that's the story you hear uh, from cis dudes. It's like, going to get the chicks. Right. Right. I know. I was like, come on. And perpetuated <laughs> through gear culture and music generally but yeah exactly no i was so shy and so nerdy and so awkward and so it was pretty hilarious when i joined their band with all these cool dudes like you know were they older they were mm -hmm. yeah they were all like a couple years older than me and i don't know how they put up with it <laughs> so i was really bad bass players are hard to come by they are i guess no, they i'm are. sure you were fine and drummers drummers, too. <laughs> drummers are also hard to come by yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no, I'm sure you were great, and yeah, but it was it was a terrible band name though. You want what to hear was the band, band name? name. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. For heaven's sake, that's not that bad. We did not have a real drummer. Okay. Oh, we had a drum machine. Good. And that was Rod the Mod. <laughs> Shit, you not? That was his name, Rod the Mod, and he played keyboard and the drum machine. 
and then I play bass with my friend Stephen Croner, who was actually in Nation of Ulysses uh -huh. afterwards. A band they kicked me out of, by the way. This is my new thing. <laughs> I'm telling people. That I, yes, I heard that story, and I was just like, that's a wild story. Yeah, it was funny. I was that like, is a wild story. I asked my brother, I was like, why did they want to stop? He's like, you know why they didn't want to have you in the band? I was like, they didn't want other girls to think you were their girlfriend. I was like, what? <laughs> I'll tell you my kicked out of kicked Oh, yeah, out you got kicked out of some mm -hmm. bands, huh? I was in the Swirlies for four years, you know, founding the band um, with my friend Damon, and then I left the band, and then years later, in 2015, <laughs> was asked to rejoin the band. We toured for about three weeks, and then they kicked me out, but they didn't tell me. Oh, I was yeah. kicked out. Well, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just got to put it out there. I just, wow. gotta, I just gotta say people that. need to know. People do they need kicked to me out, know. but nobody told me I was kicked out. Oh, oh that is a bummer. Thanks, dudes. Thanks, oh. guys. Oh. That is rough. Yeah. What happened? It was okay. Yeah. I mean I mean it's it's hardly a band. It's just <laughs> it was very much like a project. Kinda. You think at that point people are all over the world and they get together and mm -hmm. How did that come? Like, so it was a reunion kind of thing, or were they? So they somewhat, so, but they had but they been touring been playing, on and off. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like, I think I think that Damon's vision of the Sorleys is quite different, like reality than mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like I don't know. It's interesting when you know these people so well. Like, you also know that their reality of the band. Mm. It, you know, it can be really different from yours. Well, yeah. Especially if they're men. When it's say. been going for like that long. Yeah. I feel like it takes on this whole years. other thing if you're in it and it's like you can't see what it is on the outside versus the inside kind of thing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> we already like, did. But. Too bad. <laughs> That's, it. That's my story. <laughs> I feel like so, so it's interesting for me because I feel like the first time. I I had met you and you won't remember this I'm sure was probably I think you played a solo show with my old band a million years ago. Oh, uh, cool! I was in this band called Sweet Thieves for a number of years and it was somewhere in Boston. What I was it? Sweet Thieves. I literally don't even remember where it, huh. the show was, but I think that was the first time when I had I had, had met you oh. and. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, totally. I hope it was okay. That, yeah. I don't know. Like, I it would have been good circa, <laughs> if you want to know how it was. No, uh, it, it would have been probably around like 2006 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I met, I don't, I don't remember exactly when I first met you, but I remember. Karen. Probably through Karen. Karen. Probably through Karen. Somewhere maybe through Girls Rock. Yeah. But my, my first time being introduced to Scarce and who you were was my uh, ex-boyfriend, when you all were getting back together, he had been talking about uh, about Scarce and he had seen Scarce a bunch when he was like yeah. younger or whatever. Yeah. He was like, oh my God, Joyce is so cool. I had uh, such a crush on her. And, uh, and you know, so that was my introduction <laughs> to, <laughs> to, uh, uh, to you, Joyce. So, and I did see you when you played during your reunion yeah, shows. Yeah, that was fun. Around that time, so. It was yeah. nice. That was a special time for us. Yeah, for sure. yeah, totally. Cool. So tell me about quarantine. How's quarantine feeling for for y'all as the world is burning down? 
Do you want me to go or do you want to talk? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I feel like for our teenage kids, it's been tough. Mm -hmm. Um, But then at the same time, I feel like it's brought us closer. And I feel like the kids are, you know, because normally they're teenagers. They're almost 16 and 18. They would not want to be with us with a 10-foot pole. Um, And it's been kind of a nice little, well, I had breast cancer not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I really couldn't take care of them. And I was very, very sick. So it kind of feels like it, I got some time back yep. with them. Um, and then Shauna moved in a little while ago. And mm-hmm. it's been nice. Like, you know, in a way, like, I've always, I tell Shauna, like, I want to live in a commune. Yeah. I don't <laughs> need a lot of stuff. Like, I want to grow a garden. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I share the load. Yeah. Because we've been struggling for so long, like, yeah. to be able to do creative stuff and mm-hmm. work and take care of a family it's so hard yeah these days and so it was lovely and shauna needed a place to go and it was a perfect situation That's we awesome. have our yeah. basement separate entrance so we were able to kind of so weird timing but good timing yeah like, yeah great. so yeah. was it like right before that all start like timing wise or um shortly in the middle, before right? yeah oh okay yeah that mm-hmm. came out of this but yeah um it's hard it's mm-hmm. ve- very hard i feel like both i don't know shauna you can speak for yourself but i was going to say like being somebody who's worked from home a lot myself, mm-hmm. it's it's not a hard transition for me. Yeah, yeah. I, but I am not working <laughs> right now because uh-huh. my job. I was I was working as an assistant stylist for a while, and mm-hmm. that's just gone. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I work at home, and so it's it's it, it's it's really just trying to focus mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get work done because I I've been working at home for quite a while, and um, yeah. So I'm yeah. just trying to stay regulated and like yeah. emotionally, physically, all that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's a very weird time. It is yeah. a very, very weird time. And I know and everyone is kind of in the same boat. Yeah. So I get it. And, yeah. And around the world. I really like, feel like, for people yeah. who have to go out and work. Right. Yeah. And so uh, musically, have you all been able to have more time for that then or not? Yeah. We actually have been now, like, so, like, we've just letting it percolate. It's mm-hmm. been a while. Like, we started the podcast, and then we realized we're, like, we're having so much fun with it. We got to play. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like sometimes when you talk about music, you're like, oh, I but, but playing music. Play. What about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we've been jamming, and it's been kind of nice to not go into it with, like, oh, we're this band, and we have these songs, and mm-hmm. that. And I'm playing drums. Okay, that was Shana's my other question. Playing guitar, yep. but mm-hmm. we're both singing. Okay. And we've been working on this sort of like Everly Brothers trying to sing. Like mm. Sean has been teaching me because I suck at singing. I mean, I'm just like it's, I'm not trained. <laughs> I I trained. I understand one thousand percent. You don't need to explain it to <laughs> Thank me. Thank you, so. Hillary. <laughs> you understood what I meant. But like you know, I like that we're experimenting again. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm 14 again, mm. which makes me so happy oh. because I was very jaded with music for a long time. Mm-hmm. I got really bitter and I didn't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to like deal with it at all I pushed it away and so it's really nice to feel that excitement again and I'm playing a new instrument and I I love it I really like playing the drums that's great how's the drumming how's the drum and singing at the same time situation going I can't even believe she does (laughs) I don't understand how people do it it's wild it is hard and it's funny because I find myself explaining things to Shauna that I don't do when I'm playing bass because it's 
it's more like in tune but the way you have to think on the drums while you're singing mm-hmm. is can be tricky in the beginning. Like mm-hmm. when when I'm first when we're working on songs like yeah. right now, so I, it's a lot of thinking on my part. <laughs> so at the same time, I'm you know I can't believe she's doing it, but I'm also like, just do it. What's wrong with like, you? What's wrong right, with right, you? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Get it together oh, and play on. the drums. <laughs> I try yeah. to be very supportive, though. <laughs> also, oh, I'm very supportive. Also, and we being love each yeah, other. bitchy yeah. band member. Bitchy band member yeah. and supportive. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really nice that you're able to be that way. And I feel like, like to, to be able to be together and to be able to like have that experience together right now feels like special. It is special. I think yeah. Right now, like you have the time. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't think we're gonna have that time again. Yeah. So, so getting into more of like the gear stuff, right? So. I'm wondering like what your experiences have been around like music gear and gender and identities and things like that. How has that played out for you over the years? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I used to go to um, a a lot of my gear buying was at Mr. Music in Alston. Mm -hmm. And I became really friendly with the people that worked there. And it was all men. And there was one guy in particular. You know, we were buddies. Mm Mm-hmm. But there was always that, like, you know, it was obvious I didn't really know. I was just learning. Mm-hmm. And he was very willing to, like, I don't know. But then it was, like, very, he just wanted to talk to me for hours and oh. hours about it. And I was like, yeah. what's going on here? Like, are you a salesperson or are you just? Oh, oh like, hitting yeah. on, like a hitting, hitting on is you. it a hitting on me <laughs> thing? Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, hitting yeah, on yeah. you. Okay. No. That does. Or maybe right. he just, you know, wanted right. to talk. Like, you just wanted to talk yeah. and talk and talk to a, a young woman. Right. I don't know. <laughs> he didn't actually hit on me. It was right. just like, he wanted to hear himself talk. I right. A receptacle for everything in his brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, you were lucky because I shopped in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I used to have to bring a guy with me or two. And I bought, I was going on the road and my bass amp that I'd had forever blew up. And I was like, God damn it. I'm like, I'm going on the road and I have no bass amp anymore. And I hated going into stores. Mm -hmm. Like I have had so many bad experiences. Like, let me show you how to hold that thing. You know, like shit like that. Uh And this was no exception. (laughs) I, this, I think I wrote about it naked to be, but basically we went into the shop. I'm looking for the space and my friend Pete was there and he was trying not to like step on my toes, but he yeah. was trying to also like be like, get the fuck away. You know? <laughs> and so this guy was like too super mullet. Like it was like, you know, every stereotype you can possibly imagine. And he would not talk to my face. Mm-hmm. This guy, like wow. he turned to Pete and he'd be like, well, what does she like to do? I'm like, I'm right here <laughs> that he's not buying it yeah he's just with me for for support right but like yeah i mean i can't tell you in how many times i've played shows where like you know they the sound guys are just assholes about it i mean i feel like it's gotten better mm-hmm. it's definitely gotten better now i see women on the cruise i see mm-hmm. people working there and that makes me happy yeah but, you know, it's like you always had this in the back of your mind, at least I did in the 90s, where it was like, oh, you're not quite good enough. 
mm-hmm. that's why they're noticing you're a girl. Yeah. When it's like, of course you're a fucking girl. Right. <laughs> it's okay if they notice that. Uh-huh. But you just wanted to be like a dude. You want, I mean, that was the feeling I felt like in the 90s, you know? And I feel like now it's like, at least there's women working there and stuff like that. Yeah. But I do think it was such a dude, dude, dude. Yeah. And I've had guys come on to me. I've had like, I'm like, I'm about to play a show, you fucking asshole. No, I'm not going to give you my number. That's my set list. Like, you know, like, uh-huh. oh my God. Yeah. 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 So, yes, I've had a lot, a lot. I mean, I think one show somebody wouldn't let me in in CBGBs because they didn't believe me that I was playing. Oh, wow. That's wild. I had to get the chick to tell him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's in the band with me. I'm like, you see this instrument? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like, too, I feel like as someone who's played in bands with cis dudes, you know, as well, like, you also get the thing where you're like assumed to be the girlfriend or whatever. And totally. so, yeah, I always got the, so where's your bass? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm oh. playing the guitar. But <laughs> I am it's not right here. Right. right. Wow. That's yeah. That's, yeah. that's also Assuming. a very specific thing, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. You have your role. You had your role. You were the bass player. You were dating someone in the mm-hmm. band. Right. Yeah. I know. Is that your boyfriend? But you know what? I, I mean, I was just thinking um, about the, uh, like, really specifically when I was trying to buy something and I didn't really know the terminology for that thing that I wanted to buy. Like, maybe it was a pedal. Mm-hmm. And then the things that would come out of their mouths were not really helping. <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't teaching. They were just words I didn't know what they were. Uh-huh that I eventually learned, but it was like, yeah, that, that didn't help. It's <laughs> like confusing me. See, it was right. like, I gotta go. I gotta go. Whoa. I can't, you know, I didn't bring my dictionary. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, where you're at now with your gear setups, so I know that, like, so you're both playing together and you have maybe not the same setup, at least Joyce, than you that you normally yeah had in the past but let's talk about go go where you want to go with that where where, what do you have for your setups right now do you want i have a um a pv one speaker 15 uh, 15 inch speaker what is it called delta blues Mm -hmm. oh yeah those are cool it's i love it um those are really good clean right they're like they're my understanding is they were used for like um slide or something yeah, wow. I mean, it has that, like... Yeah, yeah it has a little growl. It looks like a it's Fender, amazing. but it's a PV, and I kind of <laughs> love that it's a PV. I love that it's a PV. <laughs> I kind of have, like, a a pretty small collection of pedals. Mm-hmm. Like, delay, two distortion. What do you use? I have a really silly, like, toy. <laughs> almost a toy delay. What is it? It's from, um, oh, God, what's it called? From, like... I have to find the name of it, but I have a um, a micro Big Muff. Yep, <laughs> classic. I think it's funny. Micro yep. Big Muff. <laughs> uh, and a a rat pedal. Yep, cool. And um, like a delay. Is it Boss? Yeah, I think it's Boss. I think it is yeah. Boss. And your guitar? Oh well, I've been using um, I I've been playing Fenders for quite a while. I started out using a Strat, and then I went to uh, a Jazzmaster, and um, but I've discovered Matt's 
guilt Thunderbird, and it's oh, like, I play a guilt Thunderbird. You do? Yes. No it's my absolute favorite. Yes. They're so weird. They're <laughs> so weird and wonderful. I love them. I love and it. the actions really love. Yeah. Yes. And it has the best neck. Yeah. It's so easy to play. Yeah. 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 It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a kickstand on the back. Does I, yours have a kickstand? Mine doesn't. Mine's the newer one. It's oh, okay. one of the vintage ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that your main guitar? Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I yeah. love it. I love it. It's like a weird Gumby thing, but it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. It does look like Gumby. It does. <laughs> I like that. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a very great. special guitar, but they're very, they're so, I mean, I'm sure the vintage one is way better, but like just quality wise, know. but like just the neck is so comfy. Yeah. I mean, you can really convert. You know, a newer guitar to sound like an older guitar. Yeah. Uh, so, Joyce, how about your setup right now? Or you want to talk about sure. bass and then drums? Or um, both? it's up to you if you want me to. Go you back. you just feel can, whatever feels I good. I'm gonna just talk yeah. about the drums. Cool. Today. Do it. You know, that's what I'm into these yeah. days. Yeah. So, I have a tiny kit. It's I bought it. We bought it off somebody who was like leaving Boston. We it was such a good deal. It was mm-hmm. like two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And it is small. It's really like. cute. It's like a it's, club kit or it's, whatever. Um, it's a Ludwig. Yep. But it's like a jazz kit. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those smaller ones. Yep. And I've stripped it down. I think, remember when Reindeer had played? Yeah. I was experimenting with moving things around and not playing like a traditional kit. Mm-hmm. Because I was very inspired. I will just come out with it. With the very first drummer from Scarce was Judd. And he taught me so much about playing bass. And the drums. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I was, I've been very lucky when you're in a trio, you get to learn about the drums too when you're playing bass yep. and vice versa. Yeah. I feel like. So it didn't feel like a big stretch to switch to that. I have a Speed King pedal, which mm-hmm. I really like. Like a vintage a one or a vintage newer, one yeah. mm-hmm. that my friend Nick gave me because he's a drummer from the Hydrogen Terrors. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love. Mm-hmm. Matt's band. Um, and, but I also switch depending on the vibe of the song I might switch it out for just like I have one of those DW Kings yeah you know just straight up but it feels more macho and I I'm not that I'm not into <laughs> I macho feel like stuff. it is like a muscle pedal yeah or and it's yeah. like it's very like play, round and yeah the speed king the is kind part. of like yeah. loose I can yeah. be a little looser yeah 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 you know, kind of dance right because to me the thing that I can tell you what I've learned about drumming and I play it off and on. I've tried to play the drums. Off that was and my on. other question. When did the, when did the drums come into the picture for you? I play I with a friend's band like in DC one time. I taught my girlfriends to play, but it was really tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can say that to my girls in vinyl. We were called Girls in Vinyl. Ooh. Seven of us. We played one show. Whoa, that's a lot of people. <laughs> it was crazy. Wow. Because I was determined. Was this a ska band? Why were there? I don't know. <laughs> the horn section. Yep. But ever since then, I've had a love for playing the drums. Cool. And I've played it off and on, but up until Reindeer started, I had mm-hmm. never played in a band properly. Yep. Well, yeah, because Karen and I had played this, like, Karen Orsi and I had played a, a show where we were just playing acoustically and just, like, pretty stuff. And and I pushed myself on that. I'm going to be your drummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you sell it. You're like, I, I can do it. I'm in it. I'm like, I'm in the band. Yep. Let me I was be like, in your band. Drummer, what? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah. So it's oh, oh, so back to why I was bringing that up was that um, he would play a very stripped down kit, and the things he would do with his foot and his hands mm. were amazing. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the really good drummers do a far less, 
and they achieve far more. Yeah. Um, and so while I'm nowhere near that yet, what I've done is I've taken away the rack tom. I didn't want it. None at all? None at yep. all. And I I've just, added a double kick. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and I have my, the snare, like I try to sit it right in my lap. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kid is so nice and small. It's really, I have it tight. My husband thinks it's crazy, but that's where it feels comfortable yeah. to me because when I'm singing, I need a place to put the mic to. Right. And that is actually probably the one of the most uncomfortable things. Oh, finding yeah. where the mic should be while you're playing the drums. Because you're yeah. like, it's always in the way. It's always in the wrong spot. <laughs> always yeah, in the there's way. There's no it's good like spot. I've seen from Not A Surf, my friend yeah. who plays drums in Not A Surf. He had it coming, Ira, coming down yeah, have you from tried the top. That? Like, mm. yeah, that I don't have one of those things. <laughs> I also feel like if you, I guess I could guess. Is it was it just hanging? I'm trying to. It's like, yeah, it's some kind of mechanism where you can pull it down and pull it. Oh, up oh, yeah. okay. I, I don't, that's I don't, fancy. I think that it's is fancy. expensive. Yeah, so that sounds not, expensive. Yeah, some sort of hydraulic happen. situation or something. <laughs> but what I like about like keeping it simple like that is I have to work on my foot. Yep. And I feel like the best drummers I've played with, and I've been very lucky to play with some amazing ones, they are really doing things with their foot and yep. less with their hands. And understanding how to like sort of hit the cymbals and letting them do some work mm-hmm. and letting the bounce happen and letting mm. it feels like to me when I'm doing it right, I'm dancing. Yeah. That makes and sense. it's like, and then I can sing because it's just swing. It's just like, yep. and I'm singing and everything makes sense. Uh-huh. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. And then when it does it, it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so it's very stripped down, just a snare, floor tom. I have a crash ride, a crash, and then a hi-hat. And that's it. Nice. Yeah. Keep yeah. it simple. I feel like having sometimes having constraints in a band can be useful. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But I really... I need to talk to you about that setup. <laughs> you need to talk to we're, me about. Uh, you're talking about. Or we're like, talking earlier about uh, the setup that I had in Hort Paint, which is uh, yeah a bass amp and a guitar amp that are biamped. Um, you definitely got with it. an yeah. octave pedal I mean, going to the bass amp. We, so, yeah. Th- yeah, that should be doable. Yeah, yeah, I think Matt you can totally to do, do that. that. And that's not actually you're not you're not doing more. You're playing the same stuff, right? Right. It's just, it's just louder right. and, it's or just like heavier. Has heavier. Like, and it has that low space. Space. Yeah. The low mm-hmm. end. Yeah. Make it fat. Make it fat. And that actually, that guild <laughs> guitar sounds low. That was always oh, the yeah. word. Yeah. That was always a, the P-H-A-T? The description. Just make it fat. <laughs> make it fat. Make fat guitars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Red Jumpsuit. How, what was the inspiration for Red Jumpsuit? Your um, podcast. Yeah. I mean, you were wearing, uh, for no one, in, no one at home can see that Joyce is I'm actually wearing, wearing fabulous a red jumpsuit. jumpsuit mm-hmm. Made by Five Rock. Um, Kim Coletta told us we should try to get a sponsorship. Yeah, totally. So if anybody knows keep talking person about them. like Five Rock, we're, <laughs> People we're are buying ready them. to be sponsored. It's a, it's a good look. It's a good look. Yeah. Shauna, you want to well, I was Well, uh, I, I was interviewed by... Um, a person, his podcast is called All Your Things Are Gone. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly focuses on just like Boston mm-hmm. people, which is kind of cool. I told Joyce about my experience and how I was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. And she's like, let's do it. Let's do one. And I'm like, wait, You're I just told you. Let's lean into <laughs> it as much as possible by actually just doing it ourselves. Yeah. This is, this is how our relationship works. <laughs> this is, yeah. But yeah. I was, I got this because I was like, I've been, when I was working as an assistant stylist, yeah. you get dirty. You're on the floor cleaning. Yeah. I mean, I was doing the like, 
anything and everything mm -hmm. for the shoot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really need a, like a factory <laughs> uniform. Yeah. But I was like, but I can't just get a boring one. <laughs> <laughs> and I came yeah. in and Sean is like, that's the name. Wow. I was like, I like that red jumpsuit. <laughs> I was like, what? Let's call it that. Let's call it that. See, there you go. It's like, it is it a little bit like naming a band. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so what is that, the experience together? I feel like, I, I feel like I would like to have a, like I wanted to have a co-host and I was like, I don't know who I would do this with and like who'd want to do the exact same thing as me. And I just was like, I've already tried to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, she tried to get out of it. I don't let Shauna out of it. And anything. then you, yeah. And then like you have to deal with people's schedules or one person's like, I can't do it or I'm out. And then what? Yeah. Right. So. Right. Shauna, I, I just like book them and then I wait until Shauna the week before. Oh, yeah, we have another one. <laughs> she's like, what? No, it's it's fine now. I'm on a roll. She's kind of used I'm to it. Though. I'm in the. You're in the thick of it? I'm in the groove. I, yeah. I, like it's it's working out. That's good. It's been very organic, too, I feel like. <laughs> and I'm we're kind of, I'm just using, I'm finding people that I know mm -hmm. and interviewing them because I feel like everybody has a story to tell. Yep. Here's your story. There you go. I think it's cool. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you've had and a lot level of the playing field for women. Right. Yeah. You, you've had a lot of really cool folks on as well. Uh, do you want to talk at all about that or any of the guests that you've had or. I, I, that's what keeps me coming back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shauna keeps going, really? You got them to do it? Say yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, cause I'm sure you felt the same way no, when you're starting in the middle of like this like bubble. Is anybody going to listen to this? Right, right, right. <laughs> Who's going to listen to this? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, the technical aspect of it was the major yeah. issue. I was more mostly concerned about that. Like, how am I going to actually do the actual editing right. and like the right. recording piece yeah. of it, which I had to learn more about. But once I was done with that, I was like, oh, okay, we're yeah. just talking. This it's is cool. It's wonderful, right? <laughs> don't you feel yeah. like, I feel like for me, at least, that I love, I never had that community of musicians mm -hmm. around me and now I feel like I do yeah and I'm like we just keep adding to that community because mm -hmm. it's just going to keep growing right and I love I met you know like Kim Coletta was probably my favorite one mm -hmm. not favorite one. I didn't say that <laughs> but I was looking forward to it because she was the first person I ever saw play Aww. and then it was so yeah. cool because she went through the exact same things but I had this image of her being like Oh, she's the one the boys all like, and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, it's it's cool, and I I just feel like we need to hear more of this. Mm -hmm. One hundred percent. Because yeah. there's all these really great nobody nobody. I just feel like there's not a lot of press out there still, and they're all dudes <laughs> interviewing dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think podcasts are the future and yes. it's a good space to get into. And that yeah. I feel like there's a lot of resources online and spaces where people can learn about what that process is like. And I'm sure you two would be happy to talk to anybody who is interested oh, in yeah. doing it. I'm happy to talk to anybody that it's less scary than you think. And it's really just like, right. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who like you can pay a small amount of money and they will do the editing right. for you, help I think. You. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't like if you keep it simple. Yeah. You if you're doing learn, it very simple, then yeah. people will do it. And it's not expensive. I don't I don't think I'm I asking. don't, think I it's don't know because I do it myself. Yeah. But other people, I feel like right. I know do that. And that's a thing that you can do. Definitely. So, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. cool. Um, all right. So do you have any like particularly pivotal moments for you when thinking about your growth 
as a musician or like specifically with gear perhaps where you're like something really clicked or like things just kind of like felt like they made more sense to you? For me, it was an Ampeg bass amp. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to say any more. Yeah. No, we've actually gone down in size. Like the Ampeg I think I originally had was super heavy on the, I had actually an SVT. Yeah. Is that the same as Ampeg? I'm sure. Yeah, Ampeg Sorry. SVT. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a solid state. Oh, okay. And so they have the SVT. Now I have yep. one that's like a combo and it's made like the old um, Ampegs, which flip, flip top. top. Yep. And mm -hmm. it's got all the things exposed, Those like are all cool. the, you know, little tubes and stuff. Yep. And I had played on a real Ampeg in a studio uh, in Philadelphia when we first did our demos. Like with an eight. It sounds so good. Yeah. Like you can't replace that sound, but it's not necessarily a good thing to play live. <laughs> <laughs> but now they've fixed that problem. Mm -hmm. Now, because it's half solid, half two, yep. you know, it's kind of a combo and it's small. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? You don't have to lift it. It's mm -hmm. not heavy. You, I could lift it That's myself. That's a combo. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like before I'd have these like amps that were, st I had a PV too six feet you know with yeah. the svt head and it was bigger than me and i'm like this is ridiculous yeah. like i would play that same thing overseas uh-huh and the guys would be laughing at me because i could <laughs> not reach the knobs oh my God. i couldn't, couldn't I was like not that i knew how to change them but I yeah just, anyways svt and fender bass you know that yeah and you, you pay, play a p bass right yeah, yeah, and I've been yet to find one that isn't a million pounds, which is part of why I haven't wanted to play the bass because yeah. of the breast cancer. And yeah. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, but. so do you feel like that's had a real effect on your relationship to the instrument generally? Yeah. 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 And, you know, now it's like if I were to play bass, I want to play something really. Actually, I've, Matt's fixed up my original bass which is a 1971 Fender Music Master. Oh, yeah. Short yeah. scale. Mm -hmm. And it's pale. It's yellow. Music I had beautiful. It looks like a guitar. Yeah. I had uh, I had a black Music Master at one point oh, that I master. loved. And uh, it's short scale. And yep. it was nice. Mm -hmm. And it was made for someone small. Mm -hmm. It's a student. <laughs> it was a student model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would play basses in the 90s that were probably a quarter of my weight. My my partner, <laughs> when I said that I, we were, I was coming up to do this interview, was like, I remember seeing Scarce and being like, it looks like that bass is larger than she is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I, I, there are Fender Jazz, I think, are a little lighter, but still they're yeah. heavy. They're heavy. Yeah. And, you know, no one's yet yeah. to come up with something that sounds as good as a Fender bass that's not heavy. I always liked a heavy guitar. Mm -hmm. it, it, I like I, I felt solid. Like I wasn't going to fall over. Yeah. <laughs> I was always afraid of tripping over things. Tripping over the chords. Chords. <laughs> Hold you down. <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a real thing, too, because, like, going from playing guitar to playing bass, like, I feel like when I played bass, I feel more powerful, if that makes yes. sense. Right? Yeah. So you just, yes. like, physically have this large object that you can wield that is, like, yeah. yeah. Right. It's, like, it's a thing, I think. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and then the strings are so mm -hmm. thick, like everything about it. You're making this like yeah. large sound. Yeah, yeah, and you're low. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about that because I've played with some really loud people, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> and as far in terms of like, you know, changing changing the sound I had, I was 
I was trying to offset what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, now I get to be like the big, powerful, loud person, which is really fun. Right. For me. Yeah. Yeah. And what is that? What does that feel like to be able to step into that in a different way? Oh, I just don't want to be the asshole. That, that's like too loud oh so yeah, it's yeah, i'm yeah. really trying yeah. to play a balancing game <laughs> with it yeah no that's i it's hard yeah yeah i feel like i'm always the asshole <laughs> like, I am maybe too, not yeah. when i was younger but like definitely i'm always too loud probably yeah, yeah. it's a thing but i mean i love like because i love this the sound of it mm-hmm. i love the Right, the tone, the feeling, the powerful and, yeah, guitar mm-hmm. sounds. But it's been yeah. cool that we've been doing this stripped down, like more just the two of us. You can hear a lot, mm-hmm. and we're working a lot. I feel like I'm working a lot about like letting that breathe. A it little. is less assholey, yeah. yeah mm. It's a little less. <laughs> There's only two of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so how do the how are the vocals working, or how how is how is your relationship with singing? How has that all been working out for you? I, actually, like I think we like we do really well in that department like with we're getting we just kind of we we riff you know she sings beautifully we just riff it's fun i'm embarrassed about my singing with shauna i'll say i want a la 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 there yeah that's good yes yeah we do a lot of do's and a lot Mm -hmm. of us well when you're writing Mm -hmm. i feel like why not and i feel like Shauna and i kind of naturally like in reindeer we did the song deep helms that shauna wrote and our voices were just perfect. Like mine was lower and hers was higher. And mm-hmm. it was just this beautiful, like we just kind of naturally did it. Yep. And so we're just working on things where it's like we were experimenting, like how you differentiate that and then harmonize too. Yeah. Like kind of that combination of a little of this and that. But like Shauna said, we're still in our infancy with this mm-hmm. new project. I feel like the harmonization thing is such a mystery to me because I've never yeah. been able to do it. <laughs> and so like when when writing harmonies, I'm like thinking about what that process is like. And you're saying it's kind of like with everything else you might do with a band where you're just like, we're jamming and we're going to like mess around yeah. and see what we come up with. Right. Right. Um, but you're not like I'm doing a, a fifth and you're right. doing a third or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sean is like, here's your note. <laughs> I need out the pitch that, pipe. Though. But I do, yeah. I, I mean, like learning how to sing. Well, a lot of that well. stuff I hear, I just hear it. Yeah, you do. In my head, I hear the harmony. Yeah. And I'm like, I think you need to do this. And then and then it works. Or, sh- or she'll, make, she'll make one up too. Yeah. Sometimes I do a little. Sometimes I throw Shauna off. I'm like, hey, oh, I just came up with something. And I'll be like, I just did it. And then I'll mess up the drums. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, lots of lots of experimentation. I think that's the big key word with this. And mm-hmm. I like us not really like we're not really like planning anything right now. Yeah. We're just kind of yeah. experimenting. But it's nobody good... can plan anything right now. But... I know you can't plan anything right <laughs> but now. Yeah. Exactly. But it's like it's nice to be in that space where you can do that right now. Yeah. Too. It's like, it I is. Yeah. It's very uh, we feel lucky with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been nice. Definitely. And doing this podcast like because. I'm sure you feel this way too. You're not feeling as lonely because mm-hmm. we're talking to people every yep. week, you yep. know, or every week or so. And I feel like it's so important right now to make connections like right. that. Um, as far as like other spaces in music, so we talked a little bit about like like being in a band or you know performing a little bit. 
when you think about like recording in those types of spaces, has that been any different for you with your experiences around gender or anything? Or is that, what have, what have your experiences been there? Well, we have. I love recording. Yeah. I was going to say, Roger, we have to give a shout out to our friend Roger, who is like another member of our band, mm. kind of, because he is just amazing. Like, he d he recorded all the reindeer stuff. Uh -huh. Roger Laval. Am I saying his last name right? I only know him Lavely. as Roger. Lavely. Thank you. Sorry, Roger. But he's so wonderful. He When he's recorded, he's come over to our house. Yeah. We've recorded in our living room. And he brought all his gear over and just, like, made it so easy for us. He respects us. Mm -hmm. And I think there's that difference. I have not always had that in studios. Yeah. I don't know. How about you, Shauna? Respect. Like, do you think they ever, did you feel weird with engineers or anybody like that when you were recording? Oh, yeah. I've had some very bad Oh, my God. <laughs> in fact, on Dead Sexy. Uh-huh. I think I wrote about this in Aiken to be that. He wanted to kick me off the record. Oh, I was one like, of those deals. What? And Chick got nice. really mad. Yeah. But yeah, it happened right in the middle of our record, right in the middle That's of this. Wild. And he's a person that a lot of people respect yeah. and everything. And I'm not trying to diss him, mm -hmm. but this was our baby. Yeah. And he kind of ruined it. Yeah. That's a bummer. Ugh. And somebody had to take over uh -huh. halfway through. Oh, wow. Yeah. And actually, the person was Michael Barbiero, who mm -hmm. did. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, mm -hmm. Tesla. He he did all these massive records. And because he liked our band and he liked our A&R person, he did it for nothing. He made it easy for us. I think that's the big thing. Yeah. Non-judgmental. He was into it. He's getting on the ground going, oh, my God, oh, my God, this part is so good. <laughs> you know, and yeah. here he is, mm -hmm. this big-time producer, no ego. And I think to be a good producer, you have to be a good listener. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about this project in front of you. Yeah. And so I feel like I treasure Roger because he comes in there and he just allows us to play. Mm -hmm. We don't have to think about all the other stuff. And he's editing it as he goes along. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. How did you two meet? <laughs> oh, I, we have a good story. It was me, Karen was the connection. I want to say Karen Orsi. Because Karen We went through a mutual friend, Sam. Karen and I. Yeah, and then we went and then we hung out. We had a ladies' night. Yeah. We and that night. where it was me and Karen knew each other. Mm -hmm. And I guess Karen knew you, but I didn't know Shauna or Sam, the other girl that was there. Uh -huh. We were over at this house. She was house sitting. Mm -hmm. And we were like eating food and wine and we brought we clothes. It was so much fun. Like we got <laughs> clothes and we were like in big piles and we were doing like a trade. Like kind a of clothing thing. swap. Yeah. Clothes swap. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And Sean and I kept grabbing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, then we started saying we played all these shows together. We never met. Well, that was the question. I, Cause I, never. so that must've been pretty yeah. recently then yes. that you met. A couple years ago. That's right. a couple. Seven. It was like eight. Is it 10? <laughs> Yeah. Almost nine. Yeah. Ten is nothing. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, so I had assumed that you had known each other from like playing like a long time I know. ago. No, we yeah. hadn't. We crossed met. paths. Yeah. We just on the same bills. Yeah. yeah. On the same bills, but never met. It's kind of. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's wonderful though. Um, and, and a lot of the women we've been talking to have said similar things. Right. Like it takes you to your 40s to meet. And it, maybe it's our generation too. Oh, yeah, maybe. Because I mean, coming up, I feel like maybe it's younger and younger, and mm -hmm. I hope so. I mean, I feel like when I, uh, 
Well, it's funny with whore pain in particular, we definitely like would have a thing where we would have band practice, but then we would just like our band practice would be from like seven to nine or 10. And then we would talk for the first half. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I feel like having that connection is nice. You know, it, 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 yeah. and I'm not sure exactly how that translates to music necessarily or not or what that means. But I think having that camaraderie with bands. Right. Um, you have a camaraderie. You know, and like playing, you know, the band I'm in now, like we've known each other for a long time, you know, like. Yeah. So that's it's it's interesting how that plays in. It does. Because it is a relationship, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And you're negotiating and you're talking in mm-hmm. a very different way. Mm-hmm. And I think. It's kind of like breast cancer. Like there's only certain, I really talk to other cancer people Mm -hmm. because it's like, no, you don't really understand until you're in that situation. It's the same thing with band. I know that's a weird No, I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. It's like you kind of always have this like little thing that you're like missing. Yeah. From somewhere. Because it's the major thing that you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like... (laughs) Change lifestyle, really. <laughs> it is We've specific. It. Yeah. Yeah. So you could be like, you know, talking about like shows that you played or what's exactly. it like, what it's like to tour or whatever, you know, yeah. what it, what are, was your all experiences with touring generally? Like, did you like it? Did you not like it? For me, it was a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm happy not to be doing it most mm-hmm. of the time, mm-hmm. but it's really exciting you know, to get out there. Of course, going to Europe was wonderful. Sure. You know, just like, I don't know, that, that's been like my main like way of traveling. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, it was kind of deliberate. Like, mm-hmm. I think I can get to see the country and, you know, do some traveling if I'm in a band. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, you know. <laughs> and that happened. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. No, that's awesome. I got lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joyce? Mine was pretty fabulous. Too. Yeah. I mean, we got pretty amazing tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole tour, especially over in Europe, mm-hmm. was pretty incredible. Um, in fact, someone just wrote an article on Scarce about the show we played in Amsterdam with oh. them. It is legend, I guess, oh. in Holland. Not for us, but well, regardless. <laughs> but he wanted to talk about it because everybody knows his story. And yeah, it was like yeah. George has some good I stories. I have some crazy stories. Let's hear a couple stories. But <laughs> that one, I don't know if you know what I said to him. What's funny about this story is like I, you know, it wasn't big in the U.S. because they weren't big in the U.S. Mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Like it was 1994, 95. When Hold right me. after Kurt had died. Yeah. yeah. I think they and lived through this lived had through this. just come yeah. out. They were playing three thousand seater places, yep. like, which was great for us. And it was just the two of us, and we were on tour with them for a month and a half. They had a chef that <laughs> came along. Yeah, with these, they, they were really cute. Actually, like they, they had a little couple in a van, and they had a portable stove. But they fed us too. Wow. And mm-hmm. so, like, you know, for us, it was, like, golden. And we're playing for 3,000 people a night. Yep. Um, it was the most incredible experience. And in France, we got a standing ovation, like, before Hole came out. I mean, it was kind Whoa. of this cool, like, yeah. you know, thing. And the guy from the venue was like, they're singing the French National Anthem. That's the biggest 
<laughs> respect. I guess it's something they do at concerts <laughs> or something when they love somebody or something. Wow. Anyways, so we had some incredible experiences, but then it was followed, obviously, by some really tough times because yeah. chick had a brain hemorrhage but right even after that we had some great tours we toured with not a surf and super drag at their height mm-hmm. um those audiences were incredible i think the fans that we actually do have are from all those tours mm-hmm. still and it was very hard actually when that stopped i think that's why i had a very very hard transition it was like being dropped we tell us about the night the story oh, the courtney love story i'm sorry yes <laughs> So Courtney Love, that we played at the Parody So in Amsterdam, which is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just like everything you can imagine, little paintings on the ceilings and the gold and all that stuff. And it was going to be recorded by National Public. It was recorded by National Public Radio in Europe. And um, I, at the time, was dating this guy, Craig, who's lovely guy, friend still, uh, was the tour manager for Hall. So I knew mm. a lot of stuff that was happening mm. that other people didn't because yeah, yeah. he was coming and complaining to me. Right. So every night we would play, <laughs> it would get longer and longer between our sets. There's uh, only two of us. Yeah. And so it was this big deal where always they were always looking for Courtney. But anyways, we played an amazing show. <laughs> it just disappeared. It, sa- it sounds like what you, you would expect it to sound yes, like. Right? But exactly. Yeah. And this yeah. is before she was yeah. big. 90s right legendary. Yeah. So we're, we played a kick-ass show. The mm-hmm. audience was great. We come downstairs, and everybody's, like, freaking out. Can't find her, you know, blah, people going nuts. Like, in fact, we were, like, tried to see out of the way. Chick and I, like, we were, like, trying to just come down yeah. from the show, and everybody's screaming and yelling, and where the hell is, you know. And we're, like, we're sitting outside, like, Chick smoking a cigarette, feeding the ducks out the back. There was, like, this beautiful little, like, balcony and uh-huh. you could see the on the little like whatever it's right in the center of Amsterdam mm-hmm. and so we're out there just like oh, what's going on so they finally found her they dragged her she was a mess like obviously on heroin or something uh-huh. they're dressing her like she can't even stand up yeah and so we were just kind of like okay we'll go see the show see what's going on and I went up to the balcony and they played a couple songs, and then people actually on this tour in general, it was a little bit of a car crash thing. They were not necessarily coming because of Holt. Oh, I see. It was yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, people yeah. who were mm-hmm. upset about Kurt. Yeah. And blamed her. Mm-hmm. And people were throwing shit. At oh, her, my God. Actually. At this particular venue, I don't know, somebody was throwing ice or something and going, you killed Kurt. Oh, you know, like it was God. definitely a weird vibe. Yeah. Not the right thing to say. But then I was like up there in the balcony and I was like, man, she just like puts her guitar down like something bad is going to go down. She starts climbing up in her heels, wasted. I don't know how she didn't fall up to the balcony where I was at Mm -hmm. and starts beating the shit out of this young girl. (gasps) Oh, my God. And she wasn't the person. The person who had thrown it was like, took off you know and so we were all like it started getting crazy and the security came in and so I was like I gotta get the hell out of here because something bad's gonna happen yeah so I come running down and like holy shit what's going out there and we're sitting in our in our little dressing room backstage and we're like okay I'm sure it's beer that's fucking crazy and all of a sudden Drew Barrymore comes in because this is the fucking (laughs) tour I'm on because she was was dating Eric Erlinson at the time and we had met her maybe once on the thing, but not very well. And she comes in and she's like, can I hide in here? Oh, my God. And we're like, 
Uh, hi, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> sure. No, we don't want you in here. You know, she's like, oh, my God, can I have a beer? And meanwhile, she's 19 at the time. You know, oh, she my God. Party girl. Like, you know, she had her PA wasn't with her. She's uh -huh. like escaped her. Can I have a beer now? Give me a beer now. So she's sitting there drinking with us and we're all like in the thing. And she's like, oh, my God. We're like, what happened? And she explained, you know, like what was going on. And they and then finally Courtney, Courtney climbed back down. I mean, this is like you could kill yourself, uh -huh. you know, down the PA speakers, gets back on, puts her guitar back on and goes, fuck you, Amsterdam. Kurt hated Amsterdam. I hate Amsterdam. Fuck you. We're not playing the show. Throws the guitar down. <laughs> and that's the end of the show. And we're like, Whoa. so we look fucking awesome compared to that. <laughs> but this show was like legend. He said, right. she, he said all over Holland, people know of it. And yeah. he's like, and then he said, you guys were so great that night. In addition to playing a full mm -hmm. set. Uh-huh. He's like, and then you disappeared. And we were all like, what happened to that band? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, had a brain hemorrhage. Yeah. But, and it was right after that. Oh, God. That's when he had the brain hemorrhage. Like, right right after that? Like, pretty much. Yeah. Like, maybe a week or two after that. Oh, my that, God. When we got home. Like, wow. we had just gotten home. We were super excited. We were supposed to go over and play our first headlining tour. And then check out a brain hemorrhage. And oh, it was God. all over. I mean, it wasn't all over, but it really should have been. Yeah. And I, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I love, I love all this. I love the stories. I love, uh, I love your interactions. I love you. Thank you. Um, you do too. Hillary. I'm curious if you have any, yeah, this has been so nice. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any like parting words for like the music slash music gear industry broadly to help increase, uh, inclusivity mm -hmm. and, uh, and diversity. I don't know. That's okay. Nobody yeah. ever told me anything. I just did it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't mean to sound like, yeah, I mean, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but what would have made it easier for you as you uh, were going along? Yeah, good question. Mm. Um, that is a good question. I don't know. Because I, I think, but I think, but yeah. your point, yeah, I, I think your point is a, is an important one because I I feel like having these conversations, especially for folks that like were doing this in like the seventies or the eighties or the nineties, you know, yeah. like people often are like. You just had to do it, like that's you had right. To push through and like suck it up and yeah. like deal with whatever shit people because were that's throwing what, at you yeah. because that's you didn't have an option. Well, maybe I mean what we what we just expressed, mm -hmm. um, really talking about like that whole lifestyle thing. Like, what mm -hmm. are, what are you willing to do? What do you want? You know that mm -hmm. like kind of like just you know like being in a communication or a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know what do you want? What do you want? you know that yeah. kind of stuff like having a space where people can communicate like in a band or yeah like with really other... like yeah spell it out mm -hmm. i think that's i think that's important i don't know if that really answers your question i think it does and i think that that's more that's more i think about a band dynamic in yeah. particular mm -hmm. right yeah. mm -hmm. but i don't i don't i think the communication piece can be useful outside of that too right because oh, yeah. i feel like yeah. there's a lot of this like blind expectations that nobody really yeah. says and yes. if people would lay them out a little bit more clearly on the front end whether it's like when you go to play at a venue here's what we expect or what's going right. to happen and yeah. like right. you know when you go to record here's what to expect here's what's going to happen you know like all or like let's say you work in the industry somehow like what the expectations are like if people were just more straightforward with that yeah. then you wouldn't have to like 
yep. you know, like scoot around it in a way that I feel like is the hardest part in some ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like have it be legit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you are working somewhere, like, well, you know, this is what I do. Can you handle it? No? Okay. Right. Well, right. yeah, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some of that I think is the socialization part too, mm-hmm. right? Whereas like people, especially like cis women, um, people socialized uh, as women, like that, that you're just not socialized to have those conversations. Right, right, yeah. right. So I think these are newer conversations, I think, for sure. that are happening now, which is good, you know? It's a good thing. It was always unusual. Like, you do what? Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, it's almost like you're embarrassed, like, oh, I, never a mind. Bit, a little bit, Yeah, I, I was. I remember I was, I was like, <laughs> I almost felt like when I'm talking about it with somebody, like, oh, my boasting? Like, am I, mm. you know, but yes. it's stupid because it's part of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But women tend to downplay, you know, their accomplishments, yep. whereas men tend to boost their accomplishments. Right. You know? but and the judgment of that. Yeah. In a work environment, it's different. You do, I feel like it was a little taboo. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Mm. You mean which work environment? Like, like mm-hmm. I'm in a rock band. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's why I was wondering if you were going there. Right. Yeah. So, like, you're saying... For 100%. Yeah, like yeah. working in a professional space to say that you're also like yeah. a musician and playing in a rock right. band and like, oh, yeah, I need to take this day off to go on tour or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's a super. Right. That's a weird place it's to tough. be. People look at you very weird. Very weird. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but like people, if people would just feel like if you were like, I'm going to Chicago to play to be in the marathon or whatever. Like, right. Would people, people wouldn't. That's right. perfectly fine. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say for me, I, the recommendations I would give is make things lighter. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, say goodbye. Yeah, thank you both so much for taking the time um, for inviting me to your backyard. <laughs> we are so happy. This to have is you. fabulous. Birds really chirping. Good. Yeah, uh, so nice. So, so thank you both, um, mm-hmm. everybody. I hope you can check out Red Jumpsuit. Where can they find you? www.redjumpsuitpodcast dot com or apple podcast yeah. it's on your iphone you know red jumpsuit it's wherever there. you want to find you wherever you want to find us <laughs> awesome and we'll have links to the show notes with with all of your uh, relevant information sweet cool thank you so much thank, thank you, you. That was so great. I really could talk to those two forever. (laughs) And if you want to hear more of them talking, you can definitely go check out the Red Jumpsuit podcast. I'll include a link in the show notes to that. And as promised, I am following up this week with our conversation about cis white men musicians who want to make change but don't know where to start. So, you know, when we're talking about individuals like both companies and individuals really get stuck when figuring out how to make change around gender equity and diversity in the workplaces, right? Especially those run by cis white men or from industries where cis white men dominate. And we started with what companies can do, but this week we're going to specifically get into what individuals can do. And I started with companies because often this is a systemic issue that is treated with an individual response, right? So this is like a bigger thing that people are like, well, we'll just do this one thing and that'll be fine. And, you know, as I've noted in the past, even if everyone in your workplace receives training, if nothing else is done in the company to, you know, to change or support it, it's not going to make any change at all. doesn't matter how many trainings or whatever else you do at the individual level. 
So that said, you can individually make change in your behavior, and it is super crucial that you do, unless you are like into being an asshole or like an in-person troll, as I like to call them, (laughs) which I feel like is a very real thing. Uh, That's a whole other issue. You're probably not going to be on board with this anyway, so don't worry about it. So given that, knowing that individually we can make change and that does actually have an influence back up on the environment as well, let's get started. So first of all, making mistakes and apologizing. So like, let's, let's be clear. You will make mistakes if you're trying to make change. I have made mistakes. I still make mistakes like every day. You will make mistakes too. If you knew how to do this stuff already, you'd be doing it, right? Like pretty simple. You know, before you knew how to play eruption on guitar, you had to practice it and you made mistakes and you have to practice this too. It's the same thing, right? Like, okay, it's not the same thing, but (laughs) let me explain. So the main difference here is that, you know, you, you know, when you make mistakes, you also have to learn how to apologize and apologizing to your parents for playing a guitar solo too loud, maybe maybe too wrong. I don't know. Not that you would ever play eruption wrong. Of course you could play it right, right away. Uh, it's different than potentially offending or excluding a coworker with your words or behavior, right? Like those are, those are different things. Uh, but if you already have trust between your coworkers and psychological safety in the workplace, these conversations will be a lot easier to have, but you know, you don't think that this like excuses your behavior because it 100% does not. You still have to try to learn You have to try to not make that mistake again in the future. But the main point here is don't let the fear of making a mistake keep you from trying to do better. All right. Number two, getting comfortable with discomfort. So much of the world or the world that cis men inhabit has been created by and for you. That means that you are likely to, you know, being used to being comfortable in it. That's that's what it is. And I think about this a lot. If you've been to Portland and you are someone who's into like punk or metal or indie music, I frequently think about going there and how my feeling of being there was just like, this place was created just for me. Like, obviously it wasn't. And <laughs> that's, it's it's super creepy in some ways. Like it actually made me a little bit uncomfortable. I loved it, of course, but it made me a little uncomfortable. And obviously there's a bajillion issues with that because now they have had a hundred days of Black Lives Matter protests. Whoops. Like there's just, (laughs) there's a lot of layers there. But thinking about like going into a space and feeling like automatically comfortable there, like as a cis white man, that will be your case a lot of the time, or at least a lot more often than for many other folks, right? So workplaces were literally created for men and for men's bodies. You know, you think about like even the temperature in a workplace, like is made to accommodate men's temperature, like like the normal temperature, I guess, whatever. So things like that. So as with much of culture, the norms of the workplace were also created by cis white men. So not just like the physical space, but the norms. And as I'd mentioned, focusing on business owners and companies in the industry, you know, in order to have these difficult conversations, they have to trust each other. But it also means that you need to get comfortable with the uncomfortable places those conversations will go. You have to work through the discomfort And often that means defensiveness of realizing that you have done racist and sexist things in the past and you likely will in the future and that you need to learn more. You need to let others take the lead, try not to repeat negative behaviors, right? Um, And BIPOC, LGBTQ plus folks, cis women are uncomfortable in workplaces and outside of work much of the time, right? Like that's pretty standard. 
And you can help by bearing some of that load before your behavior or the behavior of others, cis men or cis white men, becomes a burden on others, right? Number three, assessing your communication and space. So this is related to last week's point on workplace culture. So of course, like trust is needed for this communication to happen. You see, I keep coming back to this, but here I'm referring to assessing your own communication practices. So, and, and the, the space that you take up. So this involves some level of self-awareness, right? Like how much space do you take up at work? This could be in the amount of like time that you actually talk. It could be the way you expect others to talk. It could be the roles that you expect others to take on or the amount of emotional labor you expect others to take up on your behalf. Like this is, this is what it is. And that can manifest in some of those like terms and behaviors that have received a lot of attention lately. So like mansplaining, manspreading, manterrupting, tone policing. Mansplaining, I feel like it's probably come up on almost every single episode of this podcast so far. It just comes up all the time. And so, you know, often these behaviors are so ingrained that we don't even notice them, right? Like it's just, they just become so normalized. And, you know, if you take some time to sort of like audit your behavior, that of the behavior, the behavior of the cis men around you, like start to switch up your own kind of stale patterns, call them out when you see them in others. That's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So related to that, then number four is, and this is the most important part, be an active bystander. So the good news about all of this is that because you have the power, you really can make change in your workplace and like well beyond that, right? So even if you aren't the boss, your behavior helps create the culture and the environment of the space. So when you hear someone make sexist, racist, any other terrible comments, right? You can call them out or call them in, right? You have the power to do that and that is huge. And I know that this is hard. This is the place where like most cis men get tripped up, right? And white people, uh, myself included, like you need to, we, we all need to like get on board to call people out or in when this is happening. And, you know, as far as men are concerned, like masculinity and culture for men is so based on competition and therefore like dragging others down that you often don't want to get dragged in as part of this, right? Like nobody wants to get called a name because you call somebody out, right? Um, you know, but true strength is in making statements when you know that others might disagree. But interestingly, the other good news is that other cis men are probably also uncomfortable with whatever this person's like crappy behavior is. And they were just waiting for someone else to say something because they didn't want to be the one to do it, right? And <laughs> the other, other good news is that this doesn't actually have to be hard, right? Like there are simple ways to do this that don't have to be super aggressive. It doesn't have to like mean like, oh, everybody's gonna have to throw down and have a fight now. And so the Green Dot program and Hollaback, and I'll, I'll have links to those as well in the, in the show notes, uh, they collaborated to create the five Ds of intervention, which are distract, delegate, document, delay, and direct. And I'm not gonna go into full detail about those right now, but the main takeaway is that like calling someone out directly isn't the only way to intervene in a situation. And while like the five Ds were created pretty much like with the target on like sexual harassment um, and sexual violence, they are relevant in workplaces as well. And I would say relevant in um, behaviors beyond sexual harassment, any type of harassment, right? Could be racial harassment. And related to that, like last but not least, you'll see that 
something happening in the workplace that you would like to change on your behalf or someone else's, you can advocate for a change, right? Whether it's a behavior pattern, a workplace policy, or an issue with the industry as a whole, like so, for example, marketing or something, you really do have power to do this. So it could be an intervention on, on an individual. It could be an intervention on the whole company, right? Could be an intervention on the industry. Okay, so I'm gonna repeat those tips one more time. So first of all, making mistakes and apologizing. Second, getting comfortable with discomfort. Third, assessing your communication and your space. And fourth, being an active bystander. So I hope these are a few steps that folks can use to kind of get the ball rolling. And, you know, these changes can start with you as an individual, as I'd said, with conversations you have with coworkers or ways that you can advocate at the like company or industry level. There's lots of different ways to do it. Definitely feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or any ideas at all. And if you like the podcast and you want others to hear about it, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, share with a buddy, follow along between episodes on Instagram or Facebook. I'd super appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.